Story number one, A Human Nursemaid, part four. Miss Flo, can you hear me, Miss Flo? Florence opened her eyes only to shut them again. It was too bright, a clean, white light. She moved to wipe her eyes, but the pain exploded in her right arm. Instinctively, she reached to clutch her right arm and left, winced in pain again. Blinking profusely, Florence forced her eyes open. Her arm was bound in a sling. Good, you're awake, a voice said. Florence looked up to see a young human doctor standing beside the bed. He continued, I'm going to need to ask you not to move around too much. You took a lot of damage getting to us, and I don't want you to exacerbate any of the injuries. How are you feeling? Florence looked around at the stark white hospital room with the minimal aesthetic and the open curtains, letting in a bright natural light before glancing down at her own body. She was clean and wearing a hospital gown. Someone had undressed and bathed her. Were feelings of hers of privacy violated without her consent should have been, there was something else that she wasn't feeling that was more pressing. Leaning forward, she placed a hand where her thigh should have been, but instead she felt a hard bulge under the blanket. In panic, she started patting down the bed where her leg should be, and realized the bulge was a leg. She couldn't feel her hand touching her leg. My legs, she said worriedly, looking up to the doctor. I can't feel my legs. The doctor avoided her gaze for a moment and quickly looked back with a firm but compassionate look at his face. At some point during the fight, you were struck by a bullet in your side and it separated your spinal column above the L1 on your lower back. He said the words matter-of-factly, if brokered, no disagreement or questioning. It's simply what happened. Okay, Florence said, swallowing her stomach back down. You can fix that kind of stuff, right? We're at... we're in hospital. The doctor's firm but compassionate pace didn't change and his matter-of-fact voice returned. Normally, yes, this is something that we could fix. However, our nerve specialist surgeon didn't make it to the hospital. She was only one who knew the operation. The slight catch in his voice when he said that surgeon didn't make the hospital spoke volumes. The surgeon that the doctor referred to in the past tense wasn't the only one who had made it to the hospital. Florence's heart nearly stopped in panic. The kids, she said in a start. The ones I came with. There were two of them, both corniacs. Where are they? Are they okay? Calm down, the doctor said, putting a hand on her shoulder. They're a little worse for wear, but they're all right. We found another corniac who was willing to take care of them. That was a very brave thing you did watching over them, but you don't have to worry about them anymore. You don't understand, she said, throwing his hands off. Those kids are my responsibility. I am the nursemaid. I'm all that they have left. She needed to find them, and no doctor was going to stand between her and them. She swung her legs over the side of the bed and stood to barge out of the room. Except she didn't. Her legs didn't work. It had slipped from her mind. Her stomach tied itself in knots. She felt that she was going to throw up. Taking a deep breath, she recomposed herself. Could you please find them for me, she said, forcing her voice to be steady to her fault. I need to see them to make sure that they're safe. The doctor's lips pursed together until they weren't much more than a line. Turning, he stepped into the hallway and grabbed a nurse. There were a lot of people walking in the hallway, most of them human. 
Gornea was home to millions of Xeno workers and humans were a very small minority of that. It was odd to Florence that they would make up such a large majority of those who made it to the hospital. So, the doctor said, returning from the hallway with a concerned look at his face, you're assuming guardianship of the two Corneic children. Florence gave him a firm nod. She had to keep Hector and Millie safe. Whatever it took. All right. Well, we are planning on sending them off-world, the doctor said. Florence shut up. Can you really do that? Now wait a moment, the doctor said, tempering his tone. You need to understand that you won't be going with them. You're too injured to be moved. The pitch jowled into existence deep in Florence's stomach. She couldn't let Millie and Hector go without her. Could she? Where off-world are they going to send them? She asked hesitantly. She needed a lot more information if she was going to let Millie and Hector go anywhere without her. There's a small human corvette in orbit right now, the doctor stated. They've deployed an entire contingent of surface-to-orbit ships to Xeno hospitals around the world. They're trying to save as many of us as they can, but we're just too many. Their life support systems are already straining to handle the added load. There's only one more group of this hospital that's going to be allowed to go, and I was hoping to have those two cognac children that you've brought on the shuttle. Florence was hardly processing the information. Hint was her wildest dream and her worst nightmare coming true at the same time. Um, she sputtered, how? How long do I have to decide? They're finishing the final preparations in the shuttle right now. They should be launching within the hour. Okay, okay, Florence said her mind was racing. Can I at least see them first, before I decide? The doctor nodded and went to fetch the children. Florence sat swimming in a sea of turbulent emotions. Tears welled up in her eyes, and more than once she tried to wipe them away, only to have her right arm send bolts of pain through her body. Scalding herself, she tried to force her emotions down. She had to be strong for Millie and Hector. Florence spent the next few minutes taking deep breaths and trying to think about the decision that in her heart she knew that she had already made. Feeling like she had a pretty good handle on her emotions, Florence readied herself when she heard a baby crying in the hallway. Millie, she would recognize that cry anywhere. Moments later, Hector came barreling into the room screaming her name as he jumped up onto the hospital bed. A cognac man carrying a screaming mini came in a moment later. Despite her great efforts, Florence burst into tears from the overwhelming joy and the deep sadness of seeing Hector and Millie again. Seeing them for the last time. Getting Hector to slide over, she gestured to the cognac man to bring Millie to her. Millie was screaming and hollering enough to wake the dead. But as soon as Florence had her in her arms, she sang a short lullaby. And just like that, she stopped crying and smiled up at Florence. Hector, Florence said, cutting in before Hector could launch into a series of frantic questions. I need you to listen to me carefully. She gestured to the cognac before continuing. This man is going to take care of you, okay? He's going to take you on a big cool human ship when you'll all be safe. Are you coming? Hector asked. The doctor says that I'm too sick to leave, which is why I need you to listen to me very carefully, Florence said, putting on a firm but tender voice. She continued, I want you to tell everyone, literally everyone you meet, your full name, Millie's full name, and that your father is a Corniac ambassador to Gornia, Picto Catal. 
Do you understand? Hector nodded vigorously, but Florence knew his penchant to say he would do things when he really wouldn't, and it was too important for it to leave up to chance. She had him repeat it back to her several times, both what she wanted to do and the exact words that he was going to tell people. She also made sure that the cognac man had taken them new as well. Are those kids in here? A woman said, popping her head into the room. The shuttle's about to leave. Florence nodded, tears burning in her heart as being ripped out. She kissed both Millie and Hector goodbye, handling Millie back to Cognac. Florence could hardly handle hearing the sound of Millie starting to cry again, now that she wasn't holding her. Hector gave her one last big hug and then got off the bed. Sitting there, unable to move, she watched them leave. Florence was alone. Picto could tell sat in the wings of the assembly, reading and rereading the speech in his hands. He worked so hard for this moment, pulling in every favor and spending every bit of political capital he'd gained for years in public service. It was time to start paying back the debt that could never be repaid. Hector, Abigail, he said to his son and the new nursemaid holding his infant daughter, are you ready? Abigail's nod was graceful as Hector was determined. Pico smiled and nodded back at his son, then turned and headed onto the stage. Trying to not look overhead, he walked up to the podium, looking to either side to make sure that Hector and Abigail had followed him out. The crowd in front of him, numbering in the millions, cameras and news crews from hundreds of worlds, were there and ready to form what he had to say. He cleared his throat and began. One year ago, the worst xenocide in generations took place in Gornea. It was an utter failure that resulted in the deaths of my wife, Decker, my sons, Atto and Yocto, and my daughter, Yotta, and countless others. It was my failure. It was everyone's failure, but I was a Cornac ambassador to this planet, and I failed to prevent the xenocide. However, where I failed, others triumphed. Thousands risked their lives for each other's, including Ghanaians, that sheltered Xenos from the hostiles of them. Captain Avery Neogan violated interplanetary law bringing her corvette against Ghanaian ships to save those in danger. Her soldiers gave their lives on Gornea, protecting the Xeno strongholds, while they waited in vain for help that would not reach them in time. Never again. That single ship saved ten thousand lives, including those of my two children here. This is a tragedy of the highest order, and could have been prevented. And from now it will be. Pico Catal gestured upwards to the mammoth vessel hanging motionless in the sky. Today marks the inaugural flight of the first Guardian-class ship. This joint venture between the Cognac and human governments this ship will have a full backing in both of our command navies while still operating independently of any species' government. It will respond to any and all threats of xenocide that may occur. It boasts a full suite of hospitals, a dozen companies of volunteer soldiers, a thousand of surface-to-orbit shuttles, and has everything that was needed to Agonia but wasn't there. Wiping a tear from his eye, Pico continued. This ship is dedicated to and named after an extremely remarkable individual who sacrificed everything to keep others safe. 
People from a world different from her own, people from my world. For her name was Florence Sinclair. She was a human nursemaid, and she saved the lives of my two children, Millie and Hector, even at the cost of her own life. I owe her everything. It would be impossible for me to repay her for what she has done, but I will, at the very least, make sure that she is remembered and honored. Pico gripped the podium with both hands, staring defiantly out at the crowd. So, I'm sending this message out to everyone in the galaxy. This ship is large enough to be seen from the surface of every habitable planet. If you are afraid or scared for your well-being because of who you are, I want you to look up into the night sky and the bright new star. They know that they will be all right. Because from now on... And until the danger is gone, you are under Florence's guardianship, and you will be kept safe, whatever it takes. End of story.